0: Uh, Friends, uh, what's your favourite meal? Uh, My favourite is this, and I've had it since I was a boy. I don't know why, but uh, it still prevails today. (laughs) If I had a choice, it would be a Chinese meal. Uh, It's not a pizza with anchovies and olives like some of the pictures we saw earlier, but I do like anchovies and olives. (laughs) Yes, my favourite of favourites is a Chinese meal and it would consist of sweet and sour pork garlic prawns fried rice and mini spring rolls <laughs> i think i'm getting hungry just talking about it <coughs> yes i love it. <laughs> it is an understatement for me now what about you what's your favorite meal Well, in today's Bible reading, we find out, you could say, what is Jesus' favourite meal. And it isn't a Chinese meal. (laughs) Uh, Well, or (laughs) roast lamb, is it? (laughs) Or anything uh, one doesn't cook. It's something else. Uh, Please look at the middle part of chapter 4 of John's Gospel. Uh, We're on page 1617 of our church-provided Bibles, or you could use your own form of a Bible, or the bulletin itself as a Bible passage is actually opposite to where you can write your notes. We're firstly looking at verses 27 to 34. And I think I'll read them again. Verse 27, Just then his disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with a woman. It was certainly not kosher back then. But no one asked, What do you want? Or why are you talking with her? then leaving her water jar not sure why she left it but perhaps preoccupied now the woman went back to the town and said to the people come see a man who told me everything i've ever done could this be the messiah yes she is slow but careful it seems they came out of the town and made their way towards him meanwhile his disciples urged him Rabbi, eat something. <laughs> have this Chinese meal we bought for you. <laughs> but he said to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. Then his disciples said to each other, Could someone have brought him food? They're obviously thinking of physical food that someone else might have got for him, just as a Samaritan woman thought of physical water. No one is understanding things. Not the disciples, nor the Samaritan woman. My food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me, and to finish his work. You could therefore say that that was Jesus' favourite meal. So Jesus' food, so to speak, is what God his Father wants him to do. That is what drives him, that is what he hungers and thirsts for and wants to see done. It makes his words on the cross, it is finished, John 19.30, very significant indeed. Uh, if Sue is away, <laughs> I am thinking pizzas. Oz, <laughs> order three? and a garlic bread and a bottle of Coke. (laughs) They last a week. And and when Jesus is with me and says, honey, let's have a splurge tonight, I'm thinking sweet and sour pork, (laughs) garlic prawns and mini spring rolls. Or for you, Greg, a a trip down to Dundee's (laughs) at the waterfront. We are so physical, aren't we? (laughs) Well, I am. Jesus, when starving, and he would have been, is still thinking, quote, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work, end of quote. What an example to us. What a Messiah. Starving, and what matters, is what his father wants him to do. I need to admit, I'm nothing like that. (laughs) Are you? What are you more focused on? Your spiritual needs or your physical needs? Please don't misunderstand me at this point. Jesus is the Messiah. And we are (laughs) not. But he's more focused on the spiritual food of doing what his father wants. And I'm so glad he was. But we are to be like that too. We are to be focused on what our father wants us to be focused on. For example, we aren't to live on bread alone. On a coffee. (laughs) But on every word that comes from the mouth of God. I think I sometimes prefer a strong coffee. (laughs) I've already had two. Confessions of your pastor here. (laughs) And that is why we also had Deuteronomy 8 as the second Bible reading that Howard brought to us. As verse 3 of that reading says, man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. You know, this has implications for us in our lives too. When people look at us, what do they see? People who are focused on Jesus or people who are focused on the world? Our father wants us to be focused on Jesus. The devil wants us to be focused on the world. Our father wants us to be rich toward him. And his people. The devil wants us to be rich toward self. (laughs) Our Father rightly deserves our focus. The devil falsely says, You deserve it. It's very obvious to all what Jesus was focused on, and it wasn't on a coffee hit (laughs) or a Chinese meal. Even when he was starving and thirsty, and his very own disciples saw it firsthand. Yes, if you're a Christian, you have been saved by grace through faith in Jesus. But you've also been saved by grace through faith for good works. Ephesians 2 8 to 10. So, are we doing them? Am I doing them? At one level, the good works are the same for us all. But at another level, they are very different. May we all therefore hunger and thirst for righteousness, Matthew 5, 6. But may we all also hunger and thirst for the good works he has prepared in advance for us each to do. Uh, in the second part of today's message, I therefore want us to consider what our part in this food, in this Father's work, might involve. And Jesus specifically tells us here, he tells us this in the next few verses. He uses a farming illustration. Now, he's very conscious of his audience to illustrate his point. He wants people to live, that is to have eternal life. And that's his primary message. And so he uses imagery that we might not relate that well to, but his audience back then certainly knew very well. He wants people to experience life, to really experience life, John 10.10. And one does when one's relationship with God is restored through the Messiah, John 17.3. But clearly, he says, we all... Yes all who follow him now have a specific part to play as such good news is spread and we are to rejoice together over it it certainly is such good news and so what is your part do you know it that was a good timing <laughs> Uh, These next four verses are really like the Great Commission at the end of uh, Matthew's Gospel. They're all about making disciples of Jesus of all kinds of people of all kinds of ages. Jesus just uses a different language here. So repeating myself, what's your part in the discipleship of people? Like is it to bring people along to his church? Is it to encourage people to think about Jesus? Uh, Is it to pray? Is it to tell children to put their trust in Jesus? Is it to teach Christian religious instruction to children in state schools whilst we are still allowed? Is it to translate the Bible into another language? Is it to regularly preach his word to his people? Is it to be in leadership of God's church? Is it to set up, pack up, clean for Sunday church? Is it to provide a cupper afterwards? Is it to welcome people to Sunday church? Is it to make sure things in God's church run smoothly? Is it to lead God's people in the singing of his praises? Is it to be involved in the technical side of God's church? Is it to be involved in organising a yearly Church family camp? <laughs> or is it to financially contribute toward a building for God's ministry? I could go on and on and on, and I'm sure you could too. There's so many areas to be involved in, so many parts of discipleship, and we are to remember that we are all dependent on someone else for our part. And ultimately, ultimately dependent on god so what is our part well let's read these verses to see what i mean jesus says to his disciples uh we're up to verse 35 in verse 35 don't you have a saying it's still four months until harvest well we don't today <laughs> but i think we know what he means he ba- he's ba- he's basically saying to us in cans Ah, oh, Sorry, <laughs> Sarah. In cans, look at the sugar cane. <laughs> right, they are ripe for the harvest. Even now the one who reaps draws a wage and harvests a crop for eternal life so that the sower and the reaper may be glad together. Thus the saying, one sows and another reaps, is true. I sent you to reap what you have not worked for. Others have done the hard work and you have reaped the benefits of their labour. One sows, one reaps, but we are glad together. Now, this is more specifically about evangelism, but obviously includes all aspects of discipleship. We are all involved in discipling each other. We all have different gifts and abilities from our Lord to help in this joyful, yet as the NIV 2011 puts it in verse 38, hard work. But the important point is that there is work for all of us to do. So please don't just come along for the ride. Get cracking where one can. We need you. Well, God has specifically gifted you. Can I say that church planting is very hard work. (laughs) It's been likened, I'm told, to equipping a plane whilst you are still flying. (laughs) Yet the harvest is plentiful. So let's get cracking together. May I let's also pray together. There is much that can be done. The city of Cairns, although difficult, (laughs) as I said, all farming is hard work, hence the term of uh, labour or toil in these verses. Yes, the city of Cairns is ripe for harvesting. And the harvest brings people to eternal life. We mustn't forget that, yes, eternal life, whether a baby, a toddler, a youngster, a young adult, an adult, A middle-aged adult or a retiree, no matter what nation we might be from, yes, irrespective of age or background, the gift of eternal life is only too late when it is too late. Now, the third part of today's message is found in the last four verses of this section. To get us thinking about what he said here, I've called this section, Why Do You Believe? Now, this section basically finishes by saying that Jesus really is the saviour of the world. And we are told here as to why some Samaritans believe that to be true. And it made me think on why I believe that to be true. Yes, I believe that Jesus is the saviour of the world. And that means, includes us, Aussies. So why do I or you believe that to be true? Like why? Well, let's have a look at why these people from Samaria believed. After all, they weren't very gullible people. They were even sus about anyone adding to the Pentateuch the first five books of the Bible. They were even sus of the Jews. <laughs> they didn't even get on with them. Uh, we'll read verses 39 to 42. Verse 39, Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him, that is Jesus, because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I've ever done. (laughs) So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. They said to the woman, We no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this man really is the saviour of the world. As I said, Samaritans were not gullible people who fell for scams. Google Samaritans and read about them. Some of them believe that Jesus is the saviour of the world because of the woman's testimony about them, about him. (laughs) Uh, She obviously told them that he knew everything she did, I guess including having five husbands and now a partner. And that blew her mind. Verse 29. Some believe that Jesus is the Saviour of the world because he stayed with them for a few days. And that nailed it for them. A pun not intended. Verses 41 to 42. Uh, Hanging out with him and the words he spoke to them convinced them that he is the Messiah they've been waiting for. But what about you? Uh, what about me? Why do we believe? I guess we're all here today because we believe or checking out <laughs> things. What about us? And I also guess that we aren't that gullible, are we? <laughs> well, besides the fact that we all need to share Jesus with people, such good news concerning eternal life isn't meant to be kept to oneself. Needs to be shared, but it helps to know why we believe. After all, Jesus isn't able to spend a couple of days at your place or at our place to convince us, like he did for some of the Samaritans. Or is he? So, why do I believe? Well, besides supra lapse <laughs> or infra-lapse-Arenism, if you aren't too sure of what they mean, it's okay, i struggle to spell them. <laughs> yes, besides that, not only did some Samaritan women try to tell me about Jesus, well, some blokes did, but I also read one of the Gospels, Mark, over six weeks. I was asked to in the short course I did. I might, not have Jesus had, I might not have had Jesus stay with me for a couple of days but I read what he apparently said through Mark and you could say, quote, that did it for me, end of quote. Jesus really is the saviour of the world and that includes me, that also includes you wherever you're from. It is also real food. (laughs) Uh, Perhaps over morning tea, share with someone as to why you believe. Or maybe ask someone else why they believe. Yes, put them on the spot. (laughs) It will help us all. Uh, Friends, let's pray. Father, help us to see that we are not just physical beings. Help us to realise that being born again through faith in Jesus blesses one with eternal life and therefore makes us a living spiritual being. Help us to therefore crave real food, food that is all about doing the good works you have prepared in advance for your people to do. And thank you that Jesus did exactly that for you and there for us. May we marvel at him for doing so. He really is the saviour of the world. In his name we pray. Amen. Thank you all. Thanks, Dan.